Merry Christmas, everyone. We're on the road again. Yep, just like Christmas vacation. We're freezing our butts off out here in the wilderness looking for that one special Christmas tree. Today's show is Season 1, Episode 28. Thanks for joining us for another episode of your Midwest Garden Podcast. I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Alongside me is uh, Clark Griswold. I mean, Scott. Say hello, Scott. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mike. Merry Christmas, Scott, on this beautiful yet chilly day. It is beautiful out here. Well, we're, we're going live Christmas tree hunting. Uh, we're learning all about picking that one right beautiful tree for the holiday celebration. Little full, lots of sap. <laughs> I mean, not, not only are we going tree hunting, we're also going to learn a little about getting a tree placed in the White House. The White House? The White House. The big one out there in Washington, D.C. Yeah, you know, and there's a number of trees in the White House that they decorate. So just getting one of your trees that you grew into the White House is, uh, and man, that's a feat. Yeah, how do you get one to, to grow there? Or grow no. there? No, Mike, you don't grow it there. You ship it there. Well, let's find out how grow, we can do that. Grow it here, ship it there. Okay. That's, well, legend has it. You know, you, you want to know how the Christmas tree got into people's houses? The Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum. Now, that's that's German. Yeah. Yeah, well, now, this this basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something that came right to me from a little elf to explain to everybody how the Christmas tree ended up coming into your own front room, living room, or foyer. <laughs> Legend has it that Queen Charlotte's companion, Martin Luther, the religious reformer, he invented the Christmas tree. One winter's night in 1536, so the story goes, Luther was walking through a pine forest near his home in Wittenberg when he suddenly looked up and saw thousands of stars glinting, jewel-like, among the branches of the trees. This wondrous sight inspired him to set up a candle-lit fir tree right there in his house at Christmas to remind his children of the starry heavens from whence their Savior came. You forgot to tell me I needed a cup of hot chocolate and a blanket and a fire. You got your onesies on, too. That's a lovely story. My foot pajamas? Yeah, well, is that what those are? Zip it up all the way, though. <laughs> well, let's just... Leave it to say there apparently there are a lot of variations of the first tree from different countries yet. So I guess we're just going to enjoy the result of having Christmas trees in our houses during this dark evenings with a little brightness to our celebrations. Huh, Mike? No. All right. But I, I want to go and find pickles. Pickles. Yeah. We're looking for the tree, the perfect tree. We're going to find pickles to go with it. Pickles, not a squirrel. No, 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 no. We've had too many of those things happening. Squirrel. squirrel. Anyway, no, the pickles. Do you know the story behind the pickles inside the Christmas tree? No, I don't know. Well, follow me. We're going to go look for the perfect tree, and we'll tell you about the pickle program. So, Mike, as we walk over to where we're meeting Duke for this, he's uh, over interview. by that cabin. Yeah, by the cabin. Yeah. It's Right there, but you were going to tell me about tree. Yeah, you were going to tell me about some pickle 
story. Yeah, you don't know about the pickle tree? Do we, have enough, do tree? we have enough time to tell me as we get over there? Yeah, he's over there at the cabin. Well, basically, you don't know about the perfect pickle and the pickle tree. I mean, not the pickle tree, the Tannenbaum and the perfect tree. No, or the pickle and the perfect nothing tree. to do with Peter Piper? No, what it has to do is, is you know, it's it's either Polish or German heritage and, and tradition that they would uh, somebody would find pickles. we got to find pickles. How do you find pickles in the middle of December? But anyways, um, it, you, they'd take the pickle, and then they would hide it in the perfect tree. And for all the little children that are hanging around, you know, over at Grandma's house, smelling the turkey or ham or whatever, getting ready to, you know, for to go to bed early, they would end up uh, having the opportunity. I'm not sure if it's done the night before or the same time when they pick all the presents from Santa Claus. But basically, the child that finds the pickle in the tree gets a perfect prize or gets a special prize from that finding that pickle. Not a squirrel in the tree. Not it's a, a pickle. No, well, no. Squirrel! No. Oh, jeez, no, no. See, that's one of the benefits of being here at Duke's. You don't have squirrels in them. Anyway, so, you're not supposed to. So but- you get to pick you, you the, the kid that finds the pickle in the Tannenbaum gets Almost. to pick the first present that has a pickle on it. No, no, no. What 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 it is now? We can have people later on correct us, correct me. But it's it's well, a tradition. I'm sure they from, will. <laughs> uh, probably, but we we would put a pickle in. It was a glass one, and we would have our children looking for that pickle. And if they find it, it has to be accessible because if you put it up too high, the kids are going to want to climb it like a cat, and then everything comes tumbling down, like you know the with the the holiday vacation with the squirrel. I mean, it's disastrous. So they have it within reach, but it, they, they with all the decorations that are in there. Once that child finds a pickle, it keeps them busy for about 20 minutes to a half hour, and then they find it and they get a special prize. But in the old days, it wasn't anything like a, you know, a, a, a video game. It wasn't even like you know one of these trains. It was basically, oh, good, you get cinnamon crackers with good old-fashioned chocolate milk. The kid was happy. Nowadays, you got to get them a, you know, like I said, a video game or two or, th- or three. You know what? I'm sure people are still celebrating the pickle. Let's, well, let's find Duke's place. There he is. Okay, this is Michael Work, the Garden Guy. Welcome back. We are presently at the White House Christmas Tree Farm with proprietor Duke Wheeler. Duke, you want to do us a favor and introduce yourself and then tell us how long you've had this establishment. Okay, my name is Duke Wheeler. Well, the tree farm's been a Christmas tree farm for over 70 years. Uh, and our family obtained it in 1990. At the time we purchased the tree farm, there were 3,000 Christmas trees on it. 3,000 at the time. How many you got now? Probably 70,000 trees. 70,000 trees? Give or take. Now, who? okay, I, you made mention that you really, you run the place. Who's the boss? My wife's the boss, Martha. <laughs> she, she lets me do the interviews. So you have to go through her, in other words, to get approval for this. That's correct. Okay, now you said you had how many trees? About 70,000. Of those 70,000, I mean, can you off the top of your head divide them into categories like you got spruce, you got fir, you got, I mean, can you go? I can't tell you the percentages, but the number one, the most popular tree is a Fraser fir. So we have more Fraser firs than any other tree. We have white pine, a small amount of scotch pine, uh, Douglas fir, Serbian spruce, blue spruce, uh, con color fir. Con color. I want to backtrack because I know that the most durable and the longest lasting and the prettiest, the shapeliest, is the Fraser fir or even the Douglas fir. But the con color, 
What is so unique about that? Because people are asking, and Scott, even we were looking online, you know, checking out your place. You have pictures and things, but the con collar is something unique, isn't it? Oh, it sure is unique. The uh, the needles are long, they're soft, and they, they smell like a tangerine. A tangerine, almost citrusy. Yeah, real citrusy, and uh, they got good needle retention. They're more of a natural-looking tree. Even when we shape them or shear them, they got more of a natural shape. More of a natural shape to it, even more so than the Fraser fir and the Douglas fir. Well, Fraser firs are groomed. You know what I mean? No kidding. Yeah, Fraser fir. Now I thought that those suckers would just grow in the most perfect shape in the world, but they are groomed yeah, on we, a regular basis. Well, we to... shear them every year. No kidding. Now, when do you generally open up for business, and how do you go about doing business out here? Well, we generally open up the Friday after Thanksgiving. Okay. And uh, we we work weekends. Uh, and we're open from 10 to 5. Uh, you work seven days a week then? No, we just weekends primarily. And then weekdays, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're open 3 to 5. 3 to 5. Okay. Uh, it's not an appointment. People can come in. And I know from the past, and the reason we're, we asked to come on board here uh, is because you've had like hot chocolate or hot dogs and things of that nature. But you also drew a, a, a pretty select audience or not even audience customer base i mean it's usually with ma's pa's children they go out they go and pick their own tree they basically take it. it's kind of like taking picking a pumpkin but much bigger and much better uh you also f uh, are one that's supporting the troops how did you and why did you decide to go that direction and how do you support them with the christmas trees uh, years ago, uh, right after the first uh, Gulf War mm -hmm. at Thanksgiving, each year we think about what we can do for someone. Mm -hmm. And one of my children at the table said, why don't we give free Christmas trees to families that have, some fight, have, have someone fighting the war in Iraq or Afghanistan? And uh, that stuck. Uh, we did it that year. We gave 50 trees to the spouse or father or mother. You give them? We give them to them. And... Uh, it's so rewarding to hear their, the parents or spouse talk about their loved one and the sacrifices. And this is beautiful. I mean, uh, now, how do you, do they call first in advance or is it VFW that comes in? Or? No, they come in, they come in, they, is it a DD-214, some type of identification sheet. Uh -huh. They present that to us. We take their word for it and they pick out a tree that they like and. Do they, do, regardless if it's the military or even mom and dad that are coming from, you know, uh, Toledo or from any other outside city, they, they bring the children. How do they go about to choose them and then to cut them down? We have a, a station, a greeting area, where they'll be met with one or, by a greeter. We'll hand them a, a map, an aerial map of the farm. We ask them what question, we ask a couple questions as to what type of tree they, they like. We point them in that direction. They walk out on the farm. Danny, uh, it's 70 to 80 acres. They walk around, find the tree. 80 acres just to walk around. And we have people out there with orange vests on and measuring sticks, and they kind of guide them to the perfect tree. Do you let them? Now, does the person with the orange vest have a saw or an axe or something? He has a he has an electric saw uh -huh. or a gas saw. Uh, very few people. We're called a cut your own farm. I, I bet no more than 20 people cut their own tree uh, with a handsaw. We don't let. Well, you said that there's 80 acres plus. I mean, now, how do they get the tree to, does somebody drag them for them? or What we do is we measure the tree, we tag it, write the customer's name on the tree, and uh, tie it onto the tree. And then a loader will come by with, with a gator, 
pick it up, bring it back to the loading area where we will shake it, uh, tie it or wrap it, and tie it to their car or vehicle. So you're not, when you shake it, now please explain that because we would be uh, a lot of times selling trees at the local garden centers in, in Toledo, southeast Michigan, Indiana. And when you'd get them, they're bundled. And a lot of times you would find that there are critters in there at one, yeah. or nests and things. So the shaking is not just to get rid of the loose needles, but it's to make sure everything else is gone out of it? Sure. This, you know, they're out, these trees are out in nature. Uh, a lot of things get inside that tree. You know, you shake them, it does get the dead needles. Uh, we have had a couple of mice fall out of the tree. Really? You know, and so... I mean, you're not going to, it's not like, a, 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 well, what is it? The Christmas vacation from National Lampoon where they're going to find a squirrel in there and it's going to jump out. You want to make sure it's not there. Yeah, correct. Okay. They hear that chainsaw, they get out of the tree Ooh. in the farm. Okay. Well, here's the other thing. I mean, you've got that many different types of trees here. You said that uh, the fir was the most popular? Fir is the most popular. Fraser fir. Now, can you tell me why? Because I thought it was just, I'm learning from you. I remember I thought that the trees, when they get them all bundled up, and then they, they're fresh within two weeks of age. These are the freshest right now. You take it right off of the farm and go. But why is the Fraser, in your opinion, the best? Well, I would say that people like the shape. Uh, the needle retention is a quality that we promote. Uh, has the best needle retention. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had people call me, Duke, my tree still has its needles up in its May. Okay, which is pretty nice. Yeah, uh, that's real nice. As opposed to uh, last year, our blue spruce dropped their needles in three days. Yeah. Now, I'm, uh, I did that once. I brought a tree home from, for my folks. And, you know, the blue spruce is really a nice-looking shape. But then, you know, the glass ornaments that are hanging on there, you hear this tingle, 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 tingle. And you walk by, and it tingle, tingle, tingle more. Um, if it's not the most popular because it loses its needles that quick, do you sell trees basically to plant also for, let's say, somebody's front yard, backyard, major, large property, things of that nature? We've tried that in the past. We're on a very sandy soil, so it's very challenging for the consumer to keep that tree alive because when they take the tree out of the ground, it, it loses all its uh, sand or dirt around the base. Gotcha. And uh, so we, we don't recommend it. We probably do two trees a year, and I guarantee at, that they're going to die. At the most, Correct. probably two. Well, yeah, I can imagine people would do a bald and burlap Christmas tree. They want the live one to be symbolic of a newborn child Correct. or their first house. And to put it outside and drop it in the ground in the middle of, let's say, December or January is going to be not impossible. You can do it, but it, yeah. chances of survival is going to be almost none. Uh, you got to keep the thing wet. You don't. They normally wouldn't recommend the garden center that's basically sponsoring this program, Black Diamond Incorporated, uh, used to do that. But they recommended that you don't bring the tree in until the night before, let's say on Christmas Eve. Water the heck out of it, and then take it and drop it into the hole that you previously dug, and then fill it with mulch because it, chances are the soil is going to be frozen, whether it's sand or clay. It doesn't matter. Fill the hole with mulch and then leave it out there. And then again, the survival ratio is very minimal. So my question is, is customer experience, how long does an average customer stay on the farm with this size and then choosing a tree? I mean, obviously it's weather dependent. If it's freezing, they're probably going to make things a little <laughs> faster. But do you have like an average idea of how long people are on the farm? Well, I tell you, we, we tell our customers we're selling an experience for you. We don't want you to rush. Yeah. Take your time with your family and friends. 
walk around the fine farm, look at the trees. Uh, you'll be talking to your neighbors. There's a lot of interesting things on the farm. Uh, this year, because of the, the virus, uh, it's, it's totally different. You know, we're, we're concerned about uh, we're probably not going to have hot chocolate or hot dogs. Yeah. That's a big experience. Uh, the wagon ride. You know, we we got to get some. It was an experience, and it is an experience, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you, Duke, and your farm was because it's more than just going out, cutting down a tree, putting it on top of your car, and taking off. Yeah, the average stay is probably forty-five minutes. Some people sp- spend uh, three or four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that, and and it's it's beautiful. But this year, we're going to try to create an experience without food. Yeah. Well, how, yeah, down now, since Scott did bring that, that was Scott Sandstrom, by the way. He's the extraordinary uh, producer of this program. Um, anyways, how do you uh, figure you're going to be able to work around this COVID or work with it? We're going to have uh, two different stations now. Normally, we had everybody come to one station to uh, pick up their tree, pay for their tree. We're probably, we're working on now a design to have two different stations to spread the people out. Uh we want to be, you know, we want people to come, but we want them to be safe at the same time. Well, it's going to be cold, too, and people are going to be bundled up. You're still going to have the protective apparel, like the, yeah. the mask, the gloves, and stuff of that nature. The, the, the thing here is, is, again, you're not going to be serving the hot chocolate or the hot dogs, and there's not going to be good, smelly popcorn, but you are going to have an experience. Is the whole park going to be—I'm calling this a park okay? because it is a park setting. You've got the pond. You've got, like, about— 52 different varieties of living trees that are right now just it's it's amazing uh are you going to allow people just to experience the whole thing rather than just go and pick the tree out and run or are you going to say okay get out of here covid covid we're gonna we're you know we're right now we're starting up the corn maze okay that opened last saturday our focus now is to start getting the trees ready and talk to other farmers to see what they're experiencing somebody said we ought to have virtual hot dogs there's something more unique about this place. You've been running this for years and years and years. I want you to tell me how long you, Duke Wheeler, have been running the White House Christmas Tree Farm. And your ultimate goal and objective here is is to grow the most perfect tree and do what with it? Well, every farmer that grows Christmas trees would love to have an opportunity to get into the White House. You mean the one in Washington, D.C.? The one in Washington, D.C. Uh, to get the national tree... We've competed for it uh, probably six or seven times. Uh, the best we've taken was uh, third in the country. Uh, I think we did that twice and then uh, fifth one time. Do uh, you get any kind of accolade from that? I mean, do you get like a plaque that says third in the country? Or? We, got, we got ribbons. Oh, we got no ribbons. Kidding. But, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, North Carolina, Oregon, they really take it seriously. When they take a tree to a national contest, they dig the whole tree up, put it in a semi and ship the tree. How tall are these trees? The competition is only trees up to eight feet. Only eight feet? Only eight feet. So, uh, but there's other ways. I mean, the White House has more than one room, and I bet they have more than one Christmas tree in that White House. So your ultimate goal is to get something that's got your tag on it, meaning Duke Wheeler, White House Tree Farm, out in the White House, and you would personally be going out there setting it up or do they have to i mean do you know the whole whole route well obviously well, you do know the routine as to how to get in well we will we will personally our family will go out there and take the tree and then they take over from from there now you said you've got accolades from other other places you named a few states you, uh, any trees of yours in any of those 
states themselves, whether they're state houses, whether they're no, no, we just we try for we just try for the White House, just for the White House imagine, itself. Imagine the White House Christmas tree farm in White House, Ohio, going to the White, White House. White House in, in Washington D.C. You know what I mean? That, that's, yeah, yeah. And you you said third place, right? Is the closest you've been. Yeah, the first place goes to the president. Second place goes to the vice president. And third, try harder next year. Try harder, <laughs> and, and you're going to do it. So, uh, how many years have you been doing this? Oh, geez, we've been working on that since uh, maybe 20 years. But 20 I, years I, I'm I, doing it. I stopped competing in the state uh, because you have to win the state contest before you get into the national contest. And you stopped that? You're trying I, to go around it? Well, I, I'm not trying to get the, the national tree. I'm oh, trying to you're get going for the White House. White House well, I'm, well I'm, I'm not trying to get the main tree in the White House, the Blue Room. I'm just trying to get a tree in the White House. I'm not going to circumvent. Uh, okay, is this going to be the Fraser Fir also? It'd probably be a Fraser Fir. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the reason I'm asking these questions is: Have you ever had any? Let's just say, the, have you had a tree in any places that you want to boast about? Well, I'll tell you, we, we did have a tree in uh, President Bush's library down in College Station, Texas. You had one of your trees One of in our Texas? trees, correct. Remember the year that uh, his son flew to Baghdad on Thanksgiving Day? Mm-hmm. You're talking George, which, which, which Bush? Herbert, the Herbert father. H.W. Bush. The father. Ex-Vice President of Ronald Reagan. No, the father... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, uh, H, uh, whatever, he was president until 1990. That library. Correct. His son flew down. He his son flew to Baghdad to have Thanksgiving dinner with the troops. Okay. Okay. And, and we were with his father that Monday when his father said, "Boy, I tell you, I was really surprised last week." I went to George's house for Thanksgiving dinner. Laura met us at the gate and told me he wasn't there. Whoa. They got in the I house. I heard that. Yeah, they, well, it's confidential. Oh, I'm telling you, <laughs> wow. Whoa. They the got, company I get to sit with. All right. They got into the house, sat around the table, and then she told him that he was in Baghdad. And uh, that they weren't going to say prayers or have Thanksgiving until she got a call that the plane is up in the air and left in the safe space. Yeah. Left the airspace. Wow. So that was probably the most special time I've had other than giving trees to our community because uh, our whole family was there with them. Uh, we spent an hour with them. Uh, he gave us a tour of the, his library, treated us like kings. Uh, wow. I just, I, I'm sure you've got... Can you post that? Does the White House Tree Farm have a website on that's do. going to be able to flaunt something yeah, like we, this? Yeah, we've done that in the past. and you know, I, I would definitely be interested in seeing yeah. something like that on your website. He got a tree from us for about seven or eight years, every year. Every year for seven or eight yeah. years. Yeah, now, and then, see, and you're not able to get into the White House yet? Well, but he's he'd have to go back in, you know? Well, that's true. <laughs> you don't have any lobbyists on the payroll, do no, you? No, I don't. Then his Dang. Son, his son got a tree from from us for a few years. Down at uh, Crawford, I believe he's in Crawford, wow. Texas. Now, how does it get there? How does it get how did it get to the White House? Well, I mean, we, how did it get to the the library in Crawford, Texas? Well, I use FedEx. Uh Seriously. You want to get it there, you want it to be fresh. FedEx is a great community supporter. They've been transporting trees for 
10 to 15 years to military bases all over the world. They've probably given ship 19 to 20,000, no, no, I couldn't even tell you how many trees. They ship trees every year to the bases. 19,000 trees a year get shipped And they out. come from the states? Come from the like states, correct. Your tree farmers, including, now does, does FedEx come to you or do you have to take it to a station? No, they give us a semi. And, uh, no we, kidding. And we fill up the semi. Usually you can fill up a semi with about 150, no, 150 to 200 trees. This year our trees are bigger, so it'll be less trees. I want to backtrack a second. Okay. You've got 150 trees going on a semi that are going all over the world. Are you donating these, or is it one of these things? I mean, I don't want. I mean, I'm sure nobody wants you to get to go broke. These things take years to grow. Well, listen, these military families are risking their life for us. So uh, this year we'll fill up the tree or trailer. You know, probably be, uh, they're big trees. They'll be all Fraser firs. We give it free of charge. Love to do it. Did you hear that? Free of charge, White House Tree Farm, Duke Wheeler and his wife and his family are donating trees to all the military overseas? Well, we'll get a base. Uh, some base will be assigned to us. A couple years ago, we had uh, Fort Hood. You know, our trees are going nationally. Uh, wow. So, No, that's really impressive. I didn't, I, I didn't know that. I've known you, Duke, for, I don't want to say forever, but for a long period of time. That I did not know. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. He, it's, you know, he does. He's very modest, and I, I'm mm -hmm. trying to make him stand up and really flaunt his stuff. But the, getting him on board on this podcast, Scott, was really tough. First of all, secondly, he doesn't like to boast about anything. Thirdly, I mean, when we're talking, you know, this isn't obviously about him. This is about other things. When did you decide that you were going to do this donating? I mean, was that after the first Iraq War that we talked well, that's about? That's when it? our when our kids uh, said, "Let's let's give trees to the troops." Well, that was, that's local. So we gave 50 trees to the families that had someone overseas. Right. The war is still going on. The next year, my, we, we added to it. Let's give 50 trees to families that had their spouse come back this year. So that way we can share their experiences. Their first experience. Okay. And then we just kept it going. And we still do it today. Uh, a Vietnam veteran a number of years said, have you thought about giving a tree to a Vietnam veteran? I said, no, you're the first one that asks. So now we give 50 trees to Vietnam veterans. Well, that's your and my generation. Yeah. I mean, that's almost we, like we just missed forgotten it. war. Yeah. Nobody did, you know, they came back without any accolades or anything, and they sacrificed. Now that, you know, they're all seniors, and we're all seniors, um, are they, how, do, how does a Vietnam vet come in, come out and basically show that they are you can look at them. You can tell they're from Vietnam, but they they have a card. They're proud of they're proud of being a Vietnam vet now. You know, for a long time, damn straight, they flaunt their colors. Yeah, they didn't. They you know got ridiculed when they arrived home, and now I think we've shown them as a country that we respect what they did, and they deserve a lot more than what they've gotten. They did their job. That Duke, that's wonderful. My goodness gracious. So you're going to do something simple. You're going to do identical to what you've done yeah. in previous yeah. years. It's it's nice to give. Okay, it's nice to give yeah. uh, police and fire. Boy, those are tough jobs. And you're we, doing that also? Well, we do a smaller amount of police and fire, but we, we respect what they've done. 
it's tough to be a police officer today because they're not getting the support that they deserve. And the first responders all the way around and their families. And their families. I, I, mean, I mean, there used to be a time when, I don't know about you growing up, but when I was younger, you know, first day of school, three things that I had to remember. Memorize my address, my telephone number, and yeah. remember whenever you had a problem, find a police officer. That's right. And uh, I don't know why and how this has changed, but I do agree with you that, you know, the respect aspect and risking their lives for this, for what you're doing right now is just immense. I, it's something that I did not know, and I'm glad that he allowed us to do this podcast. Or is, should I say that your wife allowed us to do this podcast? My wife. Your wife allowed us to yeah. do it. Um, yes, Scott. I'd like to touch in uh, some of the myths about caring for trees once you get them home, like people putting Sprite in the mixing with the water, any of those. I mean, is it just good old plain water and keep it that way and that's still the best? No, you really don't need to uh, put any uh, supplements in the water. Uh, it really depends on where you get your Christmas tree from. If you buy it from a farm and they're the cutting it, fresh. it's going to be fresh. But when you get home, you need to put it in water right away. Or if you leave it overnight, you ought to give it another fresh cut. Uh, if you're buying it from a reputable lot, uh, corner lot, or a, a black diamond store, they take good quality. They, Who's our sponsor? They, they protect their trees. You know, if it's out in the wind, they're going to dry out a lot faster. So you want to make sure you trust who you're buying it from. Mm -hmm. And they're buying it from a, a supplier that didn't cut down a tree in July. And they do. I mean, there used to be corner lots that would have scotch pine, uh, and they had this little blue coloring to it, and they'd call it a fire retardant. Well, there's no such <laughs> animal, folks. They just sprayed that on there to make it look fresh. So you want to know who you're buying it from because uh, you, you don't want to cause a problem in the house. You don't want your wife to get mad because there's needles in July. Uh, but keep, it, keep water in the basin, and you'll be fine. Keep the heat down in the house. Uh, don't keep it by the fire, and don't... Leave your lights on when you leave. Uh, I wouldn't over out. Don't put too many plugs in one outlet. You'll be safe. Uh, the number of trees that catch fire are less than one tenth of one percent. But if it's your house, you want to make damn sure that yeah. you've got the thing covered. Correct. And, and it's not even catching fire. It's just the heat from the fireplace draw, drying it out. Also, correct. It's a double. So, like he said, Sprite. Drink the Sprite. Drink the no, Sprite. You drink the Sprite. I don't like Sprite. Tree, tree just likes the water. Just likes water. And it, first few days, if you're coming, getting it from a farm, it may not drink any because there's so much water in the ground. Okay, but then it's going to start drinking it, and you got to keep it, keep it going. Don't let it dry out. Well, that's part of the military that you hear in the background right now. We're out in like 120 acres. This is what the 181st Airborne, 180. 180th, 180th Airborne that's flying over. They're giving a flyby and they're waving to Duke Wheeler. I guess, you know what, you did set yourself up straight as far as what the military has done and what you're doing for the military and their families. Uh, so Scott's got another go-go. Yeah, so when a customer comes to the farm, do you guys give them tips on what to look for in picking a tree, like shapes or? Well, we always tell them, whatever your wife wants, <laughs> let her have it. That being said, when you get a tree, you want to make sure it's not a double trunk. A double trunk is something when a guy planted the tree, myself, I didn't cut off the one stem that was starting out at the same time. Okay, mm -hmm. so it has two tree trunks coming up. That's not a problem if it starts at about six inches up. But if it's at the ground level, when we cut it down, half the tree is going to fall down, the other half is going to 
stand, stand straight up, up and they're going to say, I'm not going to pay for that. So we tell them, you know, watch the double trunks. Uh, if that's the biggest thing, but mm -hmm. we let them pick them out. You know, bigger is not always better. Bigger is not always better. Now, you have on your website, by the way, do you have, a, uh, can you dictate, do you memorize that by uh, on the top of your head? What I'll, the, I'll just throw it on the show notes. Scott's going to throw it on the show notes. Great. There's this guy that's up there, just two yeah. great, he looks like he's a samurai, or he's yeah. just whipping these blades all over the place. You do that to all of them? Do you no. trim them with all of them? Oh, we trim them, but I can't do it like that. I get, I get a guy uh, from Lake City, Michigan. He, he came down and helped me plant the first trees, and he's been cheering my trees ever since. He comes down with a group of about seven guys, and four days, all the trees have been trimmed. Called shearing. Shearing. Okay. Uh, speaking of the trees, do you, how do you do you prepare? You've got all these this acreage right now. You've got all these different types of trees and the different varieties. How do you do this? I mean, do you start like in a greenhouse with seeds that from the pine cones? No, we buy seedlings. Uh, we buy seedlings from Michigan, Pennsylvania, and we we get them different areas. Uh, we buy them and then plant them in the spring. Uh, we we normally bought five to ten thousand trees seedlings a year. Five to ten thousand. Five to ten thousand. Correct. How tall are the seedlings? Uh, Twelve to eighteen inches. Okay. How long does it take from a seedling to get to be like a six foot, eight foot tree that you're going to harvest? Well, it, each tree species has a different growth rate. Okay. Thank you. Keep going. I want to okay. learn. Okay. The the white pine, uh, a six foot white pine, would take about four years. Okay. Really? It's that fast? It's fast, real fast. The first year, they're just trying to survive. So okay. if you have a drought the first year, you're going to lose, you know, 15 to 20% of your trees if it's not irrigated. Scott pine is also a, a fast-growing tree. A Fraser fir, to get uh, six years, is probably seven to eight years. Uh, usually, say, it grows about a foot a year, but when we shear a tree, we're cutting off maybe four to six inches. So you're, you know, you're slowing it down a little bit. The most popular size tree is a seven and a half foot tree. Most of us have eight foot ceilings. If you get it too, ah. you get too tall, the uh, the leader will scratch your ceiling, or you won't be able to put a star on it. And you don't want to trim the top off. You want to you okay. basically cut it at the at the base or the yeah, bottom the of it to bring it down. And by that time, the fullness is gone. So correct. Uh, you've got them sheared. Uh, we we plant them. Uh, we don't use chemicals in it anymore. We used to use Roundup uh, to keep the weed growth down. Right. After the third year, we're going natural, which means... All the way around? All the way around. Congratulations. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, with exception of the blue spruce, we sprayed it with Bravo this year. I've got maybe 15, 20,000 blue spruce that we're not selling anymore. Uh, and I just, you know, I can't afford... To have unhappy customers. Well, no, and you get. I mean, the maintenance, obviously. So you're cutting down immensely from what you were. Let's say you were 100 percent. Now you're down to what, like 98 percent of uh, natural. You're, you're well, up I tell to 98 percent. The only natural? thing we sprayed this year was the blue spruce. Nothing that else was, was sprayed. And you're not going to be doing the blues anymore. I don't think we're going to sell them because we guarantee our trees. We guarantee your happiness. Uh, we sold about 75 blue spruces last year, and I returned or gave them a a free tree to replace the one that they fell off. They're more on. susceptible to disease as well as insect. Now, 
on a combination, certain years are going to be basically high, some are low, some aren't even going to show any signs of it. But you use it, used it as Bravo as a, as a preventative or curative or what? Uh, as a curative. Curative. Did, and, and I'm not sure. We sprayed it two times this year, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh. Yeah, they used to, I mean, it was almost second nature to continuously do any spraying. You're going natural all the way around the board. Correct. Um, it, that in itself is impressive. Do you find that this is causing any type of setback for you? Well, it's a lot more labor because you're weed whacking or pushing a 21-inch mower around 70 or 80,000 trees. 80,000 trees. Okay. It's getting uh, dizzy doing all those circles. So it's hard. So it's tough. In, in greed, when I planted the tree farm, I didn't know the species as well. And you'd normally plant six feet apart. But as that tree grows, then you're using a push lawnmower down the lanes. And that's much more challenging. Okay, now the, the the stuff that's growing down the lanes. I mean, it's just not everything, or is it like a grass? No, it's just grass. It's, it's just, just grass. grass down the lanes. But you you know when people are walking the farm, you want it to be clean. You well, know, sure. You don't want it to tr- anybody to trip on, but it's just it takes a lot more time. Others, with snow on the ground. I mean, do you on each of the lanes? Do you just let them trudge through it themselves on their? Sure. That's part of the experience. Yeah, they I mean, love come it. On, you're yeah. going out the winter wonderland. Moms and dads have got their kids all bundled up. You're finding little munchkins walking around that you can't even see the eye holes that they're that's coming right. through. But for them, that's the experience. Yeah, that's the experience. And we have we have some cows on the property. Huh. So we have some feeding stations for the cows that the kids will go by. We'll, uh, we'll have some sheep here and some mini ponies. We went to a pumpkin farm, and Scott is disappointed when you hear farm. He wanted to see, you know, moo cows and piggies. Well, they didn't have any moo cows or piggies. He said, the only thing I got to see was a chicken and a bunch of pumpkins. Poor guy. Coming out here, he saw horses, he saw cows. Now, those are your cows down the road. Correct. Wow, be darned. What kind are they? Holsteins. Holsteins. Now, what is a Holstein good for? Well, it's good for steaks. Is it really? Good for steaks. Oh, my goodness. You must eat very well. Oh, you know, I I like fresh meat. When we freeze it, it's just not the same. You get it that fresh? You mean from the slaughterhouse? No, no. I'm no. I get the first the first day. It's good, but I don't like eating frozen meat. Wow. Okay. So we end up giving her a lot away. Wow. Last year we slaughtered two of them. Now you give it a lot away. Who do you give them to? Friends. Friends, neighbors, acquaintances. Yeah, anybody. You having a party out here? I know. I mean, where we're sitting right now is a beautiful chalet. And it's not a house. This thing is as big as a condominium complex. No, it's gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous absolutely stunning. The fire pit out here looks more like a volcano. And we've got a <laughs> pond out here that freezes over, correct? That's correct. And when it's frozen, do you stock it? We stock it with perch. Uh, some falls, we put rainbow trout in there. Oh, you like fresh fish, too. like fresh fish. <laughs> Jeez And blue, bluegills and largemouth bass. Wow. This is a beautiful, beautiful environment. And, you know, it, for being November, December, the winter time of the year, you don't feel basically the, the, the real cold. It's almost as if it's it, just the experience is, is warm enough. I mean, and if you've got people that are going to be two, two hours out walking around, they're going to bundle for it. They're going to sure. know exactly what to do. So since COVID right now has put a little bit of a damper on, on what you were doing, uh, this is going to be the first year, and we're still going to invite the people to come out, but it's going to be the first year, dig this, bring your own food, bring your own hot dogs, bring your own hot chocolate in a thermos. 
You don't need Duke to continuously provide it for you, for goodness gracious. Look at all he's done for the military. Look what he's done for all of the people, the first responders. Give him a break, but come on out. I'm serious. This is going to be an experience in itself. Scott, you got anything to add to it? No, it's just, you know, just the myths for people taking trees home is you don't need all that store-bought packages to make your trees last longer or the home remedies. It's just good old water and a fresh cut. It's as, it's as simple as that. I do believe this will be the best year we'll ever have at the tree farm. I, I think so, too. I think families are getting used to being around each other more. They, and That's they're going to want to get out here and, and enjoy. The garden centers have, have noticed a, a big explosion with people just staying home. They're growing their own food. They're putting in the annuals, their perennials, things of this nature. Uh, you're going to experience a homebound environment, too. Congratulations, Duke. Thank you for having us on well, board. Thanks for coming out, and we'll keep you up to date. And uh, we appreciate you coming out. Well, I appreciate you having us. Scott, you want to say good night? Good night. All right. Thanks, everybody. Go visit your local farms wherever you are listening out there and cut down yourself a very nice tree. And you got any questions about it, don't forget to look up Duke Wheeler's website that Scott's placed up here on, on our uh, what is this? this show is notes. Show, th- thank you. See, that's technical talk for podcasting. Well, all right. We're at Duke Wheeler's White House Christmas Tree Farm. Uh, come on out. This is Scott and Michael Rourke, the garden guy for your Midwest garden. We'll talk to you later. Merry Christmas and happy holidays.